Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode on the Corner Flag Talk Podcast. As always, we're here to talk about the latest in football. Um, my usual co-host is currently on vacation. We'll leave it at that. And uh, he's not here. But you know, he works very hard. So in order to replace him, I have to bring in some top quality in order to match. I hear with Daniel. Daniel, what's it good, my guy? No, uh, How are you feeling? Good. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, um, housekeeping for the week would be that this podcast would be out when you guys hear it. Um, I am going to, I promise you guys, I really am going to try and get at least parts of this episode on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok. We are doing a TikTok follow drive right now. We really need to get the TikTok up to at least a thousand followers in order to put our link in the bio and that will really help in order to get our content on there more. And we should have an FPL episode this week as well. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll go with that. And where else to start other than the Premier League? And there was the first big six clash of the season this weekend, which was between Tottenham and Chelsea, which finished 2 all at Stamford Bridge. Um, I think Chelsea probably came out of this feeling like they left a lot to be desired in the final third, or more so in the opposition's box. Um, I think this was a really encouraging game, though, from Chelsea in that, like, I was really concerned about Chelsea going into the season about their ability to score goals and to more so create chances. And I really like what we saw against Tottenham from them. And it, I know it also feeds into what I say about it. I think that Tottenham gives up a lot of chances to opposition. But even so, you have to be able to create those chances. And I saw that from Chelsea. Um, Kai Havertz definitely probably feel like he should have scored, especially from the Rich James one. Rich James with a fabulous finish, by the way. Hoysburg as well. Uh, Harry Kane with a head out of the death and a opener from new signing, Kalu Kulabali, which was a really good volley as well. Though. Um, but yeah, it was a really good game. And for what it is worth, credit to Tottenham for getting the two goals back. But what I would say is that they are a team that you don't ever really want to leave them with a sniff because of their ability to be so clinical. You know, I, I do believe that they have the two arguably most clinical players in the league. Um, and I think arguably is still being generous. I think it's, it's probably fair to say that they have the two most clinical players in the league. So you never want to leave them with a chance to come back. And that is with Chelsea. You know, they have to take blame. Despite whatever, you know, refereeing decisions you may take have, have not gone their way or stuff like that. Your ability to override refereeing decisions is to be able to make your chances count. Simple as, you know? What was your thoughts on the game, Pat? Yeah, there was something to you. Was, um, I think Ch- Chelsea played better game on the day at there, there's no doubt about that, no question. Um, it's really just come down to finishing. I, I think that was all I mean. Concerned with Chelsea was a little mm-hmm. bit of chance creation, but and then bring the mic a little closer. I love it. It was a little bit of chance creation, a little bit okay, of finishing. Okay. Alright, we get it. Alright. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think um some of Chelsea's problems on the day, or no, some of our concerns about Chelsea was what about their ability to make chances, and then and then who would finish such mm-hmm. chances. I think they did a real good job at making chances on the day. Um, the amount of corners that they had is, is a good testament to how many shots they, they managed to pop off. 
Um, then they had a decent amount of clear-cut chances, in my opinion, too. I, I think the, the one that Sterling made for himself inside the box, even though it takes a lot of skill to do that, from the time he opened up that angle, I think he should be at least hitting the target. Yeah, right? And then um, have it as well, could I hit the target? Yeah. And I leave it up to God, you know? But um, whether it going or out now, eh? Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But hit the target now, fellas. Um, you put those chances away, probably go two, three, four goals yeah, up. Yeah, And yeah. then um, Swiss, they, they probably, they're probably not coming back from, from 4-0, right? So, yeah. Yeah, aside from that, I mean, all credit to Spurs as well. All credit to Conte because I think Conte does, does a really good job at keeping his yeah. team motivated yeah. down to the 90th minute, a little bit more than two shoulders. So, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, credit to Conte as well. And then the little manager fight in the end was... was, was really yeah, boy, that was really intriguing, boy. Like, it, it was really contrasting to see Conte and, and um, Tuchel go at it. And the yeah. fire was already compared to what Pepper and Klopp beat. They would just be hugging and yeah, yeah, yeah. this, boy. They just be, like, best yeah, of friends, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I think that it was tactically really interesting. Like, something that I, I noticed in the game, but only afterwards, I was really explaining to me that I saw it, was that, you know, like, even in the game, even though it was... A back three, as we know Chelsea to be, you know, reshapes even as your right side and centre back was really up a lot. Even before the Aspie sub yeah. was made, he was really high. And in possession, Chelsea probably played a system that was much more similar to like a four triple two, where Loftus pushed more into like a more right forward, right wing mm. position and allow Reese to come out. And when it was time to defend, now Reese instantly dropped back into yeah. the right centre back and marked Son out the game. And this is where I think there is the limitations with, with Spurs is that I think that Brighton put down the template since last year and even Arsenal, I would like to see us do this as well because y- you still have to respect Spurs as opposition is that when you go man-to-man with them, it is difficult for them to really create chances against you because they don't have like a necessarily outright creator in their side now, mm-hmm. right? And because of that, I think that you can't limit them. And then on the other hand, like we said about Chelsea before, you have to be more clinical. With your chances as well. Yeah. Um. There were two really contentious decisions, both of which were in the build-up to um the two Spurs goals. One was a foul when Spurs won back the ball for the first goal, as well as Richarlison standing in an offside position. That wasn't questionable, but what was questionable was if he blocked the keeper's line of sight. Mm-hmm. What was your thoughts on those? Um, on the Richarlison one, I think I would give that as a goal. Yeah. Um, I don't really think he obstructed the keeper that much. Yeah. In, at least that's just my opinion um but then in the foul that's why it just gets cloudy for me right because i've seen these things happen mm-hmm. a couple of times now but mm-hmm. it's had a foul in the build-up and sometimes the goal given sometimes they pull it back um i feel like all different leagues have have different takes on it or mm-hmm. on how far back they they're willing to go to, um to re-referee the game per yeah se. um generally in the prem from one notice they didn't really like to go that far back yeah so if a foul happened in the build-up but it was let's say more than 10 seconds away from the goal they're most likely to give the goal mm-hmm. um at least that's what i've seen and it seems like they've been kind of consistent to that so yeah. whether or not i have you about the decision i'll i'll reward the consistency and say yeah, i fair play yeah. i like that i actually like that a lot and i can't agree with that because i'm much rather consistency than anything else i think where Chelsea fans quarrel would be is the fact that the referee just didn't pick up any fall at all in, in the original in game, right? yeah. yeah, because that's it felt different. pretty clear. Like it, it wasn't even one where it was really dubious. I felt like it was one that even if it was a case that it was Perisic or Bentaker, whoever it was, that they got the ball per se because of how reckless it was, it was okay to give the foul. Mm-hmm. You know? Then the second one was well, the second insult really was when the second goal scored. And Cucurella was going to run towards the header and Romero pulled him back by his hair. Yeah. 
and that wasn't called either. Yeah. And as somebody who used to have long hair, bro, oh. <laughs> what's your thoughts on that one? I mean, that again, you asked me if it's cloudy, cloudy decision here now, because again, in an isolated instance, it is foul, right? Mm. But then, so much chaos is going inside the box mm-hmm. that. But those we do, we do see give on though. We do yeah. see give on in the prem. I think we see them give on if um if the player involved in the play or look like he could be involved in the play. So as you're saying, he was running towards the ball, well, maybe it probably should have been given, right? Yeah. But generally speaking, if, if it happened isolated event, um somewhere not close to the ball, yeah, in the yeah. box, it, it didn't even affect the play. They, they probably wouldn't give it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes they would, but again, it's it a little cloudy. So, because like where I would say that this one, the Chelsea fans have more right to be upset was one, like I said, he was moving towards the ball. No, it's and a foul, two yeah. is that even if he didn't get the header, for all we know, because he's moving towards the ball, he can stop the ball's path then coming off a key and going towards goal. Then. True. And because of all these things that come out from it, the fact that it even goes to VAR or anything like that, yeah. or we didn't see an official VAR review then where they actually stopped the game and stuff like that. I can't understand Chelsea's um, Chelsea fans' concern coming out of this game. And where I stand with them is that I believe that Spurs have built this reputation of being a very tough team, mm-hmm. a very aggressive team. And because of that, officials allow them to get away with more fouls and more cynical acts than other teams. And what I was trying to tell somebody yesterday is that as much as we want to watch football as this game where it is perfect, and I'm not watching this necessarily from a corruption point of view of or somebody pays somebody. It's, it's not like that. But more from the point of view of that, different teams, based on the reputations they have developed, are allowed or not allowed to get away with certain fouls. Mm-hmm. You know? And that is even down to the players as well. Romero has developed this, this reputation of being an aggressive player. So because of that, he is allowed to be gotten away with, with more things. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, it was like the scissors fo- um, tackle that he made on the opening match day. Now, he pulled Romero's here. And, both of those things can be very decisive. For example, if he got a red card last game, he literally can't play this game. Yeah. And these things have knock-on effects from it. And on the flip side of it now, and this is so going to sound like, like Victor mentality thing, but Arsenal have been deemed a soft team for so many years now. So whenever players are overly aggressive, they tend to be punished very early on. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's not just a Jaka thing, but it, it tends to be any player from us that tends to move a little bit more aggressively. And then when you compare it now, you feel like there is a certain level of injustice. And all we want is, is like you say, some consistency. Yeah. Even if you believe that these things are false or not false, you want the same calls we made unanimously across the board. But then now when you are allowing your perception of teams to influence the decisions, it allows people to open up this kind of rooms about referees and inconsistencies and stuff like that. And that is the conversation we don't want happening. And this is the conversations we thought VAR would have removed from it. You know? And... I think just based on law of averages, Chelsea fans probably would have felt like if between the two instances, they should have gotten one. Mm-hmm. You know, and on the day, they got neither. Chelsea had less fouls than, than um, Tottenham on the day, had three yellow cards. Tottenham had two more fouls, which was nine more, was nine fouls in total, no cards at all. And, I, and this comes down to me of the perception of the team. You know, I know that a lot of people don't agree with it. I can totally understand if you don't agree with that. In terms of like my perception of how referees just do referee and stuff like that. Mm. But what was your take on what I just said? On what I just said. Um yeah. I mean I agree to, to a certain extent. Um I think reputation is a, a a big part of football as well. So somebody like Jaka, for example, yeah. if he two foot somebody, he can't get a card. Yeah. Okay. But if, if Virgil Van Dyke two foot somebody, he 
he might not. Yeah. Because that's you. So it's not me. No, that's a good point. I, I whether it's right or wrong is, is not for me to say, right? Um, what I would say, if I decide with the referees, just be a devil's advocate here. If the game gets overly rough, while you do want to manage it, you don't want to call every single foul too, because then it gets annoying for the viewers, right? Fair whether it might be fair in the game, you know, this whole sport is all about the fans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's where all the money comes from. That's that's why sports is even a thing, is because of fans, right? So at the end of the day, it's just about pleasing the fans, right? Yeah. Um, so if I was to call a foul every 30 seconds because the game was a little rough, well, the game would be mismanaged. You might look back on that and but say, But like well, the that side game. of it, I could say that if you are calling these fouls, mm-hmm. then the tendency for to be the aggressive dies down then. See, I'm not, I'm not sure if it dies down in that game, though. Like, if I was to call every one of Romero fouls, mm. like all of them, I, I don't think... Card. He probably got a card one. I don't think he stopped making fouls or changed his game mid-game. No, I know. Because he's aggressive But the player. thing is, like, then if he gets a red card, then he's now, because there's a tangible um, consequence for what he's doing, because he's not getting any right now, mm. then he is forced to rectify that part of his game. Or if yeah, he's okay, not maybe, that good... Yeah. He has to come out his side, spurs, sell him, and those kind of knock on effects. But the standard or a certain level of integrity, the game is maintained, in my okay. opinion. You know? Um, but either way, it, it doesn't happen. And for his word, I still do give Spurs the credit for the fact that, you know what? Fair enough, you're right, you're luck with your referee, and you took your chances when you get him. Because the truth is, Chelsea really, 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 really did well on the day. Yeah. In terms of how they played, it was fantastic. Rich James is a monster, bro. Like, he is fantastic. Yeah. And he might really be the best two-way defender in the, in the world. I, I, I just might give him yeah. that. You know, like, I might not think that he's the best attacking or might be the best defensive, but in terms of probably the most complete fullback in the world, he mm. might really be up there. And this is not the first time we've seen Clamp, our world-class left winger. He literally did Vinicius this last year. And yeah. we saw the class going forward, obviously, with his finish. Um, a Chelsea fan literally tell me he thinks he's the best finisher in the club. Okay. Um, so... Fantastic game by him. I thought Koulibaly was excellent as well. Yeah. I, I've had, had concerns over Koulibaly and he's dispelling them. I think you see a clear level that Kukurela is above Chilwell and that's not a snipe on Chilwell but more a praise of Kukurela himself. Yeah. And Georgino was fantastic. He was at fault for the first goal because he tried to do something real fancy to come out of the box. But I I get that, you know, high risk, high reward football and that kind of stuff. Either way, it left the game to all in the end. And both teams obviously shared a point now. And it meant that that was two of eight teams last week that would have had... So two of six teams last week that would have won wins and went this week without a win. Which yeah. leave only two teams in the league with wins, which is Arsenal and Manchester City. But we'll get to them later on because we know you guys don't want to hear the more controversial yeah. stuff. That being said... Is there anything you want to say about this game before we move on? This to? game, no, we can we can move. Yeah. Um, for always with, I did think Stiller was fantastic, and I think that every time he plays, and every time we see any of these City players play, because and I'll talk about when we come to Arsenal, you really see how clear they are of other players. Yeah, boy. You know, yeah. they are just elite. They are elite. They are elite in ball retention, their technical ability, and their execution, their decision making, and still in. Probably he's kicking himself for not scoring on the way. That being said, go on to Manchester United now. Um, it's a way to start, though. It's a way to start with Manchester United because... <sighs> you need a whole podcast. 
Yeah, boy. I mean, literally, and I, I really love these conversations, though. Um, Three different people asked me this weekend, if I could fix United, what I would do. And I, I like that people think that I would have the answers to that. <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it's so deep-rooted. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that United have made is that they have given Aaron, Eric Ten Hag full autonomy over the transfers. And while I 1,000% think that managers should have a say in the transfers that they make in terms of the personnel that they bring in, I think that they need guidance in terms of, okay, yes, they want this style of player, but he won't really suit the league or suit the football or suit this stage in your development of this team. Mm. I think one of the biggest examples of that is signing Lotaro Martinez at centre-back. And as well as in terms of the players he's been targeting, like um, Frankie De Jong. And that's not a snipe on Frankie or anything, by the way, because I think he's a class player out what would improve nearly every side in the world at his best. But when you look at what I consider Klopp and Atletico's foundation years to be in terms of the years that they made signings to lay the foundation to get the project really going for them, mm -hmm. they made like six signings. Yeah. And on the six, none of them, except for Ben White, and obviously that's like, you know, with um, inflation and stuff like that, um, cost 50 million. I think on the... Club at the most was 35 million, and I, and I believe that was money, right? It's a bunch of signings that, yeah, they might not be the flashiest, but they're the right profiles to suit the league, to suit for you to lay the foundation for your project. And I think that Ten Hag needed some guidance in doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, we also have seen him with reluctance to use um, the new signing, Malaysia, in the side, but yet Luke Shaw is a problem. Yeah. You know, so then why are you buying four? Because you use money to get him. And I think that he could have used a little bit more guidance like that. When Klopp did it, he signed Vinalov, signed Robertson, signed Mane. Three of these were teams that finished lower than them by far, actually. Mm. Newcastle literally stayed up that year because of Genie. Robertson went down. And when Mane was a mid-table player at Southampton, all I, I, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. Like he had potential to be fantastic yeah. even then. And a bunch of other players, right? Arsenal signed Ramsdale, who was relegated. Signed Odegaard, who was decent at best during mm -hmm. his loan spell at Arsenal. Never settled anywhere. We signed Ben White from Brighton. Similar if signings when you now think about any hate out loud in terms of where they went to recruit, but to do mass um, recruitment in order to lay a foundation for the football you want to play and you build on that going forward. And for what is good, Club Liverpool that year came forth, you know. Mm -hmm. I came forth, if I'm not mistaken, within like the last like three or four games of the season. So it's not even like to say like, you know, he recruited and had this big blow up one time in it. But they got over the line. Arteta zone missed the line by two points and by their own fault, it was in their hands, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But we see similarities in the progression. I know I'm talking long here. No, go through. But with United now, he's still using the same players. They are not getting through their transfers. And I also think it's because they're they, they targeting the wrong people. You know, target players, I would see United as a step up. Target players that do, is not a sideways move or even a downwards move in the case of like Frankie the Young and case of players like um, at one point there was linked to Harry Kane and stuff like that. Get players who would be eager to come and play for because they need that step up in their career and lay a foundation and go again. For example, somebody like Lissandro rated technically a lot and you said yourself that you think you don't only have really been a success in this league really for Manchester City. Um, yeah, this is a... Um, yeah, for Manchester City, right? Because of how much they hold the ball. Lissandra, to me, is the sign that you make, you make it three seasons in 
start your project or two seasons then when you're done lady foundation but you bring him in while the team is still haphazard and all teams are targeting him because your, your defense is weak and his and his lack of physicality can be exposed as well and the result against brentford had a lot of individual errors but football is also about forcing errors out of your opponents and i think one of the best examples is new recruit ericsson who i read highly tried to see him think twice yeah that was and got exposed exactly so it's not even just to say like oh um it was a bad decision he know what he was doing yeah he was trying to do that and he tried it twice and got exposed they hear on the first one the corner but whatever it is you can always make excuses, but if the players are there to be exposed for their mistakes, oppositions will expose them. And that's the simple truth about it. Um, so I will stop my, my little No, you, you can go through, you know. Yeah. You can tell me what you think about this whole United situation and what he's done right, what he's done wrong, that kind of thing. Well, I don't want to say the same thing that you say. I, I agree with almost everything that I say there. Um, I think uh, one of the things that stand out in while I was talking about Klopp and Pep's initial equipment is they is initially go and recruit from within the league. Mm. I think that's something Ten Hag could have looked to do or somebody should have advised him because the, the nice thing about recruiting within the league in the first couple of years is that, um, that there's no there's no break-in period. Um, yes, the players move into a different club, but they're already accustomed to the physicality and the demands and the, um, the ins and outs of the league already yeah. now. You know, so, so there's much less acclimatization to, to occur. So the player basically... Get to work immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not gonna go out and say, well, they should have buy this one and that one and that one. But I do think that they should have tried to look within the yeah. league a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's um, the model in which yeah. they went over. I just think it's the wrong model at this time. Yeah, I mean, it also had a couple decent players that just got relegated to. You might have been able to get them for cheap. Yeah. Um, they could have maybe make a try for Charleston since he was looking to get out um, of Everton like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of players that, that they could look for, right? Um, I also agree with you that Lissandro was, was probably a little bit of a mistake look, looking back on it. Mm. Especially if he was asking him to play centre-back. Now, if he was bringing him in to be a DM, I think that's, that's There's a, a conversation. There's a better chance of success, right? yeah. Yeah, totally different conversation. But, but centre-back, I mean, so far he's had to deal with Ivan Tony, trying to break his nose. And, um, and Danny Welbeck. Yeah, and Welbeck, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really been the greatest start for him. And look, I know he has a, Lissandro in particular has a difficult, I mean, play next to Maguire and the here and these men, right? Yeah. But he also not making it easy for himself either. It's not like to say, no. like, he is playing well amongst a sinking ship. It's not like that. No. He literally tried his best to give you a penalty against Brighton last week. Yeah. You know, and he kind of, because of how aggressive he is, he kind of gets pulled out of position somewhat easy because he so wants to go and get on the ball and stuff like that. And I think that's a subconscious thing where he tries to make up for the fact that he's not the biggest player. So he tries to impose himself mm. kind of early. I don't know. I feel like that's just an Ajax thing. Remember, he was playing with a team that, that was playing dominant football. Yeah, plenty, yeah. Right? So, so the couple times that... Think, think about... So we have some artists, but we see with City, right? Yeah. Is that when a turnover does happen and you finally do beat the press, right? Yeah. Now, it's usually somebody in acres of space so you want to go and close them down immediately mm-hmm. right and that's what he would have been doing at Ajax for a long yeah. time so I think that's just and that was his developmental years as well yeah. so so I, I don't really think it's a short man thing I think it's just where the system he used to play in before is the total opposite of the next issue comes with then is. is that like Ajax is basically the man city of Holland that's what I'm saying is the total yeah. opposite of his current system yeah. he gets some trade start after that system now he come in the total opposite one and yeah. it's different and I think now the gauntlet is thrown to Ten Hag's feet in the case of like, 
okay, can you adapt to stop the ship from sinking? You know? How? Can you find an answer that does not mean that you go to your plan A? Your plan A is clearly working because the players can't do it. You, they didn't get all the players they wanted. Fair enough. It don't happen. That happens to a lot of managers, even the best in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, Cup wanted Jude Bellingham this summer and he got told flat out, no, you don't always get the players you want. Uh, literally, unless you are Real Madrid, mm-hmm. you have to deal with the fact that sometimes players don't come. And even Real Madrid got re- rejected this year by Mbappe, yeah. right? It happens to everybody. You have to adapt. You have to be able to adapt your tactics as well. And again, while I don't think, though, that Ateta has been perfect or, you know, it's all been smooth sailing and we've seen so much rough, what he did, especially after we no longer had an attacking midfielder because Oza got outcasted and, and, and all that stuff, is that he literally changed the entire system. When he now came in, we was playing 4 2 3 1. When COVID happened and we came back out and we didn't have the attacking midfielder again, he adapted, yeah. switched the 3 4 3 formation that we was running for a while and literally won the FA Cup because of that. But not only that, but he also stopped the rut. He also stopped us from considering maximizing the players he had. Does Ten Hag now have that in his locker now? And I'm not saying, oh, run to the 3 4 3. However, I do 3 at the back would help a lot with the players that they have right now because yeah. they simply just want to stop the rot. You know, stop the sliding backwards, gain a little foothold in the league because mm. the truth is, it's not looking up right now. And I don't and I don't actually think that there's real comparisons between them losing their first two and Arsenal losing their, their first three last year because I think the difference is, is that um, there were clear targets that Arsenal were still bringing in. We have no idea if United really going to bring anybody else besides Rabio and nobody really think. Yeah. That improved right? yeah. yeah. As well as Arsenal had four COVID cases and four players out injured last mm. year during this run because you know Gabriel didn't play Martinelli, um, had now come back from um what it was the Olympics or and all well, these men had COVID. Here, exactly. Yeah. So there was more mitigating circumstances then. Yeah. Compared to now, United have their full squad. There's yeah. their full team there, you know, and it just it doesn't look up right now. So would you switch to Charlie back or would you say continue to what he's doing? For United, it, it, it all depends on how confident he is to, to coach our three at the back to implement a decent system with it. I mean, it's look easy on face value, right? But yeah. I'm not a coach. I, I don't really know the ins and outs of, of switching your structure like that, right? Yeah. Um, at face value, though, it look like they have nice players to do it. So if you want to go ahead and do it, I mean, shit. Yeah, I'll do so- Ten Hag, if you're watching me right now, yeah, I'll do something, dog. Like, yeah, I'll do something. <laughs> I'll take <walking>. Wow. <laughs> um... More so on the game then, because uh, we are literally 36 minutes and I only talk about two games yeah, so yeah. far. Do it. More so on the game, Ivan Tony, bro. I have been preaching about how good I think this player is for the longest while, bro. And mm-hmm. I think that it is somewhat criminal that he's still at Brentford. And that is not disrespectful to Brentford. But when you look at, you know, Chelsea could use a striker. Manchester United could use a striker. Arsenal were in the market for a striker this summer. Um, Liverpool as well. All these teams were looking for forwards and nobody picked up Ivan. I, I think that is actually criminal. Or do you think I'm overrating him? <laughs> nah, you're not overrating him. He, he, he's, he's good. Pretty good. Um, I don't know why it is that teams don't go for certain players. I mean, it's similar to the Van der Beek situation. I think it's somewhat it. shiny. Like, he's within the league, so he's not really a shiny new toy. And like, yeah. With the striker situation, you kind of want somebody that like raises enthusiasm and, and gets you hyped and stuff like that. I guess, yeah. And somebody like that signing from Brentford don't really, you know, yeah. light people's eyes on fire, I guess, yeah. actually. But to be fair, United's last successful striker signing that was like 
to me was a, a outright success outside of Ronaldo, even though I still think Ronaldo was somewhat a success. It's Cavani. Mm-hmm. And Cavani didn't come in a flash because he literally came on a free on deadline day. And it wasn't some way that most people was after that kind of thing yeah. because of his age. And I think that he got the most out of the teams, the players yeah. he had around him. Yeah. You know? So maybe the option is to go for somebody a little less flashy and stuff like that. You look at the pass that he played to Moembo um, at the weekend. You look at his ability to hold up a link play. He's a decent finisher in him as well. Um, look, I, I think that when you compare, you know, Kai missing the opportunity at the weekend, um, United literally have nobody besides Ronaldo who doesn't even want to be there to play strike. I, I definitely think that they should be looking at him. They should, but I they don't know if they will do that. They would. I don't know if they will do that. Um, for this word, guys, we are recording this Monday morning. Um, so we won't have anything on the Liverpool versus Crystal Palace game. However, we do. Um, we do think that it's going to be a brilliant game. And yeah. we hope all you guys watch it because um, I have a lot riding on it. Actually, yeah, there's a very decent chance I could end up um, first in all my leagues because of it. Going I really hope Robert's got a hat trick. Um. Next up, we'll talk about Manchester City. Okay. And whoever would have thought that Man City would have went 4 0 and not a single goal would have come from Willie Haaland. But I fought and fought, boy. Yeah, boy. If Foden just tack and Haaland, parang. It was goal. I, I wouldn't really be so upset this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched my app and I just seen green arrows in that case. Yeah. But instead, it's Haaland, man. But this Foden, man, actually. This Foden. But anyway, City, City do the business. It, I think what we see in from City here is that it don't all have to be about Haaland. Which right? is good. Because yeah. I don't think Haaland really got any service in that game. Yeah. Uh, they tried to play him in behind a couple of times, but the path came from so deep. Often it came from Walker, sometimes from Rodri. It, it, it's like a like a 60-yard pass and they have dropped yeah. it on his two. It's not an easy pass to make. Um, I don't think that that pass was really there to make a chance for Haaland. I think that was just to give Bono something to think about. Like, yeah. hey, we have this guy here. That if you all don't mark this man, we're going to play him behind. We're yeah. going to score on all there. And he gone. You know what I mean? For yeah. his word though, when you have somebody that can draw that much attention, a lot of players get chances outside. But two men had to mark the man, right? Two, two men looking to mark him. Which, so then the players are wrong him now. Mares, Foden, and KDB. What yeah, well, well, KDB, KDB make his chance out on nothing, right? But, but you understand what I'm saying now, right? KDB finish is ridiculous. Though. But I think I think this is something we can see from Haaland going forward mm-hmm. because his, just, just his presence alone, it it's so... Uh, dangerous, you know yeah, exactly. Yeah. That um, I don't know if City would always look to to serve him because at the end of the day, you get three points. That's that's really all that matters to Pep at least. Pep, Pep is not someone that cares about, about stats. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, are you interested to see over the next five, six, seven games how Haaland does? Yeah. Right. In in terms of like the service and everything, because he is a service oriented player. You yeah. serve him, he scores. You don't. Yeah. No goals, yeah. right? And um, but I don't think I don't think he would care that much as long as he wins, and I don't think Pep cares at all as long as City wins. Yeah. I don't think City suffers either. Yeah, and I think it, it should be noted though, like how quick this adaptation process has been. Yeah, because he looks good in his side. The side yeah. looks good. City looks good. City looks potent. What's not? The man had little the ball in there. I don't think he had a bad game though. Yeah, and, and that says something. And that yeah. says something. Um, something that we said last week and, and I've been saying is that unless they sign a left-footed left-back, I really don't think it makes sense playing Grealish. I think Foden would thrive a lot better playing with Cancelo and, and we yeah. saw it on the day. Yeah, better um, I actually probably would like to see them sign another attacker then and to see what they can bring on the right side to work with Walker because I don't know why. Mahrez is be good, eh, you know? but he don't feel like he's in pack games as much yeah. anymore. 
Uh, if yeah. Silva at least stay, I feel I feel this will be the season we see Silva go back, back on the right side. Yeah. Because you don't need to and be Goulos athletic. Really good. And Goulos yeah. look at hella good. Yeah. And you really don't need to be athletic to play the wing for City. Yeah. You just need to be a great dribbler. Yeah. And Silva is one of the better dribblers on your team. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. the best. Totally agree. Who knows? So, yeah. KDB. Um, Masterclass, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's brilliant. Though. Yeah. He's brilliant, though. Like that finish was, it was so good and it was so arrogant. And, um, I want you to say what you just told me yesterday about us being able to watch the game from a bird's eye view and for him to recognize it. Well, the luxury we get from watching it on TV, right, is that we, we see the whole picture, okay? So as KDB take on one and take on two and then shift shift the ball, I watch in the game, but I get into the whole picture, right? So I'm thinking, oh, well, you could try that with, with the outside of your foot there, right? Yeah. With, no, that, that is what he did. But now inside the game now, from, from the player's perspective, right, the man have like less than a second to recognize all of that, right? Yeah. Now, forget about execution. All I'm talking about is recognizing the situation. He have less than a second to get his head up, right? Look and see where the space is. Recognize, okay, far post. How am I going to do it? Left foot or right foot? Okay, I'll go with my right foot. The outside of the boot. I'm going to have to curl it around this guy, but I'm not going to put too much power because I just wanted to the target. I'm going to get close to the post. And lo and behold, that's what he did. And the keeper couldn't even move, right? Because you use the defender, use the defender as a guy, the ball goes around, and then close to the post. It's very difficult for the keeper to stop that, right? Yeah. Now, he does all of that yeah, in about a second, second, right? Yeah. Okay, that, that happens up there. Now, the next part is actually doing it, right? Which is what he did. So, you do the yeah. first half part, correct. The next half, actually doing it, scoring the goal, also correct. I don't know how all that information happens and processes, and then your, your body reacts in, in about a second, second mm-hmm. and a half, right? Yeah. And all of that off the dribble as well with a bouncing ball from like 25 yards out mm-hmm. or 20 yards. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, how, how it's possible, right? Um, and and the thing is, but, uh, but, but when he scored, it's not even like you're surprised, you know. Yeah. yeah you're just like, oh, nice. Finish, boy. Yeah, good job. Wait, this guy real good, boy. But it's honestly, if, 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 if he gets that chance again, I think he scored it again. Yeah. And if he get tomorrow, I think he scored it again. I probably scored five times in training before yeah. with the left and the right. So, that's just the guy quality, you know. That that is the quality yeah, of the guy. Definitely. So, lastly, in the Premier League, we're gonna have Arsenal versus Leicester City because apparently big sides score four goals this weekend. Yeah. And Arsenal and Manchester City are the only two sides that have two wins out of two so far in the season. So what we're seeing is Pep versus his son title race can't go down. Oh, his son. Oh, yeah. that's what they say. <laughs> oh, Alisson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Arsenal won 4-2, Gabriel Jesus has the most goals in a society player in the league. Uh, with two goals, two assists, both coming on the day. And look, he mm-hmm. is literally fantastic. And I said this before about uh, Pep players. You know, we all said this before. that, uh, And we said this out of a joke. And now it is a reality that, you know, Pep Guardiola's B team is good enough to make a top four run on their own. You know, when they was filtered with, uh, with little, sorry, with depth in terms of, you know, it was Sane, it was Mares, it was... Um, Sterling is Bernardo Silva, is David Silva, is KDB, is Gundo, is Rodri, is Fernandinho, is Aguero, it was Jesus. All these players were in the same team. Yeah. You know? And it didn't matter which part he interchanged, he took out, he put back in. These players worked at an extremely high level. 
And now Arsenal and City took advantage of that. Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, sorry, yeah. took advantage of that. And signed these players who weren't in the first team pr- um, full fixture yeah. right now. Yeah. And they are shining, bro. They are shining. Like, dog, Jesus is going to take all the plaudits. Still, is yet to get a goal for him to really get the plaudits, but he's been playing really well. Mm. But Zinchenko as well, dog, yeah. has been brilliant, dog. I mean, he is so press resistant. He is so good at maintaining the ball. He's so good at seeing moves two, three steps ahead. Like you can really tell he's a midfielder playing left back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is so, so brilliant, bro. And I think that what we do tactically to get the most out of him and Jacques at the same time, it works really, really well. Because when he steps up into the pocket now, Jacques steps back into left back. Jacques moves forward and he tucks in to cover the defensive space. And you know, like I'm also like really happy watching the tactical evolution of what is Mikel Arteta and what he has yeah. done at Arsenal. Like every new season, I think I see a new layer and a new dimension, and we are now going up levels and tiers. That like if one player is not performing well, we are doing well. Like dog, for what is worth, I don't think Saka is on form, right? He isn't, right? But Saka's base level performance is so high that if you watch back like a, a, a singular highlight clip of him just for a game, you will still say he had a good game. And that's also a testament to how good he's become. But he has a bit on it. And the truth is, last season, if he wasn't on it, we wasn't on it. Yeah. We are yeah. not having him on it. And we scored six goals. Yeah. It took yeah. us eight matches, Pats, to score eight goals last, last mm-hmm. season. We do it in two. Yeah. We are two wins, obviously, better off than we were last season. And one of these wins came against that team that we lost last season. I think the progress is there to see. I think that, yes... I would always have my biases. I do try to pass high when we're analyzing these things. But I think for even the most unbiased eye, you can see that there are no layers to this team now. That if sure. one player's off it, another could be on it. Another player could be off it, another player will be on it. And there's not the reliance on that one player anymore. I think another thing that I wanted to focus on too was that there were two defensive errors that led to our goals today. And I think that's really important because Saliba, another day, gets more purchase on the header, puts it wide in the post. Ramsey sources out his feet faster, blocks Madison's shot. Fair enough, it ended up in two goals. What is more important with Arsenal this season, and I hope this maintains because obviously the sample size is small, but what I hope is maintained this season is that we could have held on to two different errors, but we score in at such a rate that it does not matter. Yeah. And I think that was a big issue last year, was that we needed, and, and they really were from September till March, our defense was on point for most of the season. And they were consistently putting these seven, and some of them eight out of ten performances, right through, right through, right through, right through. And when they dropped off after that, we really suffered because of the lack of goals we had in the side. Yeah. Now, and I hope it continues, there is goes the cover of when these players have the little wrong luck of the green or the little offside okay. or the little um, own goal, sorry, or they're just not at the top of the game that day. And I think that is what is more exciting to see with this team then. Okay. We could afford to carry some men five and sixes out of tens or fours out of ten during games because of the levels that we went up a little bit. Yeah. He's just himself, dog, that first goal was so arrogant and it was so brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. Um, his all-round performance was good. I love the, de- the relationship he's developing with Martinelli. Yeah. Everybody know by now how much I love Granit Xhaka. Yeah. And the fact that he got a goal and assist on the is beautiful. I always love to see him happy. And the team doing good. We have a good run of fixtures. Can I hope that continues going on? Yeah, we'll I mean, first of all, I can't believe that Ole win the first two games of the season and, and play so dominant and, and Ole actually have Jaya Touré on the bench. Like, that crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah, imagine when Jaya actually come on that... <laughs> Like, oh, damn. Yeah, now we leave that one alone now. We leave that one alone now. Don't even worry about that. Right, fellas? Right. Gotta tune in next week for that one. Okay, no problem. So, anyway, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Arsenal are looking pretty good right now and it looks sustainable, so that's very encouraging. Yeah. Um, I think Zinchenko, um, just to touch on what you were saying, that it, it, it's so crazy to me how average player from City comes to Arsenal. There's not nothing about Arsenal, by the way, but it's more about the level of City. You take an average player out of City, bring him in Arsenal, and all, all of a sudden he looks like one of the more technical players on the field, right? Mm. So so what has really been going on in City, boy? Yeah. Like, say for example, they bring Foden. How he was gonna look like Messi or yeah, probably. or like Jesus? Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I, Jesus, I think that that's a little bit different because we always knew that that was a, a yeah. good player. I didn't know he was that good, but I, I think, mean, we, we knew that I was really, quality. Really and think he just needed to know that he really had the confidence that he managed to go out and be the guy. Yeah, I think like he's one yeah. of them men who actually is striving for the fact that the spotlight is on him and he's happy to carry it. Now he is said in interviews say that he's not he's not the guy. He's part of a team, whatever. But he he has to. I mean, know. he had to just say them things now. Correct, yeah. but he has to know that he is the guy on his side, and I think that yeah. having that renewed confidence. Because what is what I think that when he had Pep's confidence in the early years, he was really good. But he was still in his formative years now, and then I think when the confidence waned, it, it affected him a lot. Last season, when he did play though, he did look really good. He was injured for a big part of the season last year, and he missed yeah. a chunk. But as soon as he came back fit, he was back on his side. He was scoring against Real Madrid. He was scoring hat-tricks in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, he was looking really good. And I think we've seen that continuing here. Um, he's had more touches in the box so far this season than Lacazette had in the first 17 games of yeah. last season. No, but that's, that's the kind of player that he is now. He's, yeah. he's like totally opposite to Lacazette in, in terms of like physique and um, athleticism. If, if, I don't know if I say that correct, you know, but whatever. He... No where, where Lacazette was basically a lazy player, yeah. this man is all action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I watch the man pressing in the, in the attacking third, yeah. and it's, it's like the 88 minute, and, yeah. and he's still pressing players. I, I'm not sure how you have that type of fitness. I think he run some, covered some of the most ground for Arsenal yeah. in the first yeah. game. Yeah. Um, and he's a striker. Yeah. That, that's not so common. And, and the thing is, when you lead from the front like that, it, mm-hmm. it, it drags the team to do the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think, like, it's also notable that, like, again, past side that I think it, it wasn't talked about that much. At least, it kind of was. But I don't think it was as much as it probably should have been. But goal scoring was an issue for Arsenal last year, right? And and while Arsenal were going through the games, nobody really talked about it because it was more about just seeing if they could maintain going to top four. Not yeah. necessarily about the nitty-gritty about it, right? Arsenal now have six goals this season and you still feel like if they should have had more. And I think that says something. You know? For his worth, most out of the year that he top scores... Oh wait, that's nearly every year. Yeah. When he top scores the league, he tends to also tops the most big chances missed in the league. Yeah, because that's, big that's players, normal, yeah. good players, elite players get on the end of a lot of chances. Yeah. And because of their ability to move and something to create for their own self... They will also miss just yeah. by naturally the game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that even though that he has two goals and has left some goals out, that to me that's still extremely encouraging about him. Mm-hmm. Um anything else to say about this game? Nah, but we move on, yes, before um before we turn the whole thing into a Premier League episode. <laughs> but it, it it's it's really encouraging. It is. And I think that, you know, with Bournemouth next uh, and I believe after this full up, there's obviously ground for us not to build a good run of form because there is a, a, a period of time, I believe in October where we have to play Spurs and then Le- then Liverpool, then Leeds away, and then Man City. And I think that if we go into those games with good form, I, I really think that there's a good chance that this is the year that, you know, we establish ourselves at being back to being a, a really top club. You know, not just yeah. fighting for top four, but possibly being the third. 
best side in the league. And I, I don't think that's a stretch to say. I think it's more just about we saw these players do this before. We see the ability to keep doing it. Go out there and show why it is that y'all deserve to be amongst the third best team in the league, to be amongst the top three in the league, to be in that category that you go to City, you go to Liverpool, and it's not necessarily a case of like, oh, well, I hope we come out with a draw, or we hope we come out with a win, or, or, or sorry, without being embarrassed. But you go out there and you go there to compete. And I still think we saw some of that last year. We didn't get the robbery green. We didn't win. Mm-hmm. Hold this here and make it count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it count. Yeah. Make it count. Moving across, um, La Liga kicked off this weekend. Yeah. Real Madrid won 2-1. Two one. Did yeah. you see the free kick from David Alaba? No. It was brilliant. I'm sorry. Okay. It happens. Yeah. But, I mean, we were kind of expecting Real Madrid to win. Most people would. Um, but it was probably more interesting for people in La Liga would be the fact that Xavi second, well, what would be now his first year? Has been kicked off. And it kicked off with a nil nil. Yeah. After all that investment. Wait, so it does go. So it does go. So it does go. You um, sold your future for a nil nil. I didn't sell my future. I, maybe we sell some shit. of the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a nil nil. But hey, so it does go for us. But I think that there were some encouraging signs. Obviously, the tangible result wasn't there. But yeah. I think the movement in the first half was really good. I think they created a lot of opportunities for themselves. And I think that probably once the team clicks a little bit more, they would be able to score goals on a more regular basis. I think Lewandowski, I still think Lewandowski was onside for the chance I was called offside, but I didn't yeah. see it over a bunch of times. Um, I think that him and Dembele would eventually form a really good partnership together. Yeah, and I think that this was why the games that Dembele was kind of offered, and yeah, that's disappointing considering how he ended last season and went into preseason. I mean, in all fairness, they they played the man on the right side for like the last eight months, and then bow shot. They them can't play on the left for the um for the opening night. Yeah, I think I was I was playing yeah. there in like a long, long, long time. And eventually they move him back over to the right side. I I think um I see a little bit of the system changing. Um, or at least the the mentality when going forward has has changed a little bit last season, but then again too last season we, we were basically just doing things to grind out results right. But yeah. but last season the whole game was get the ball to Dembele, Dembele will find a I way to make a chance. Something. Yeah yeah, you make <laughs> a chance and then um we kind of score from that. And most of Dembele's chances uh, came from crossing. Um, he he is a very good crosser and he could use both of his feet, which usually keeps the defender guessing, which yeah. usually means that he's able to get his cross off. Now to me, I think I think Lewandowski is is OP in the air, right? Um, we play generally. We seem to be playing Rafinha on the left side and and Dembele on the on the right side. I don't understand why we stop crossing the ball in the air. I didn't see any crosses yesterday. Yeah. At least not in the air. Looking like I'm um, trying to go back to Tiki Taka. No, in all fairness, too. Again, if Xavi trying to implement that system, then great. And and to me, it has plenty of encouraging signs. I'm not going to look too deeply into a little draw and open in day. I I believe in this team, right? Um, I also understand that what Xavi is trying to do. Is going to take time. It's very similar to the Arsenal yeah. project. I don't expect, but uh, let me say I'm not going to be annoyed if Barcelona does not win the league again. Don't matter yeah. all that investment and whatever. I wouldn't be upset if we don't win the league again because I understand that that'll be growing with every game, right? And we get better with every game. So that being said, no. Yeah, that now that now that being said, as as a fan on the day, I was saying plenty of food and and other words, right? But um, I know this is a PG show, so I can't tell you my real thoughts or what I think I did. <laughs> but <sighs> more or less, our content go again next week. 
That's all I can really say about that. You know, I, I can't. Um, I can't sit down here and this my team. I'm gonna just throw something after Daniel Tamo. You think, right? But yes, Xavi has a lower win percentage as Barcelona coach than Valverde had, than Coman had, mm-hmm. and that's CM for had. Um, he and her to do with club. Say that again. He and her to do with club. Like when he came in, we were still dealing with the sins of Bart Bartomeu. Have you asked to say that man name? I guess you go bleep that out. I don't know what to tell you. Hard luck. Um, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Continue. But yeah, boy, um, I mean, first of all, Valverde, we need to get our man some more credit because he was a pretty good coach. It's just coming down to the end. Yeah, um, I agree. Honestly, it was when he, he stopped winning everything is when people start realizing, but wait now. But this man not playing tiki-taka. Well, yeah, he out of here, boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't playing tiki-taka from the beginning, but when he was getting results, it didn't matter. Yeah. All of a sudden, he stopped getting results. I mean, that's the nature of the game, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, um, well, Coman, Lord Father, against that PG-13 show now, boy. So, I can't... Yeah. Yeah. Good refrain. But when that man left the club, I was like, hey, fuck you. Yeah. 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 Gotta bleep it. Gotta bleep. Or you can subscribe to the um. The the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> subscribe to the, the plus, the plus channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was actually real funny, dog. We gotta get Virgil back in the chair, you know, because I'm not, I'm not cut out for this, this no cussing <laughs> kind of thing, man. Oh, uh, that'd be but yeah, sad, guys. I hope that answered the question. We'll move on. Sorry, children. We're gonna. Um, so in the Bundesliga, Bayern won 2 0, and outside that, I actually can't remember what else happened. Oh, Dortmund won 3 1. Good G's. GG's, guys. Nobody yeah. really cares, unfortunately. Nah. Um, man, he had a goal rule off of far. So I'm going to throw some teams at you because yes. I know that you did not watch the highlights, but it's completely fine. I just want to hear your thoughts on that, right? Mm-hmm. Milan won 4 2 this weekend. Mm-hmm. They are the holders of the Scudetto. What do you expect from them this season? And this possibly season? Possibly in Europe as well. I feel like we have a fight up with Inter again. Yeah. Um, I know it's a real hyper on Roma right now, but I'm not sure if they have it in them to go and win as yet now. Right? Yeah. Um, but give them two years, and they might come up. I think it'll be a fight on with, with Inter again, just because Lukaku back now. And yeah. we know Lukaku in Italy is, is a different guy. type of, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, right. Patrick! Anyhow. Anyhow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think it'll be a fight on between those two clubs. I really believe too much in in um in Juventus. Me though. So we could yeah. throw them one They made some nice signings though. Um, I, I, I like the Costage. I like Di Maria. Yeah. I like Bremer even as well. You know, Bremer yeah. are a good team. The only centre back. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Because they run it out like a 50 year old Bonucci still on. That, yeah. That can't be good. That can't be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he really is. That's what it is. Um Yeah. Wait, it, but what do you think about, about Milan though? I think it's the same thing. I think it will be a fight. I, I think that Roma might, not necessarily because I believe in Roma so much, but one, they signed a bag of winners. I will say that. Taibala has been there. He has won the Serie A with his Matic. Matic has won a bunch of trophies with um, Chelsea. Yeah. And even with a terrible United side, and Gene Vinalum has won a lot with, with um, Liverpool as well. So I mean, Vermaelen when the sex topple, you know, but... Signing is not really at some point. That was, that, was, that was a good point, actually. Well done. <laughs> no, but not I think, that point. I think when you add him, 
Victor Mourinho. Yeah. I still think Mourinho is better than people probably give him credit for. Um, as well as the talent there they had there with Pellegrini, with Zaniolo, with um, with Tommy Abraham, of course, um, with Ibanez, Rui Patricio. I think there's a good squad, and I think that given that they don't have a European competition, that I think they would really care about if they in the Serie A title. It compares uh, if Inter and, U- and ACI in the in the UCL, they can be a thorn in the side of the two of them. Oh, but no, I do think it's between thorn. the two of them. God damn. That was weird. But I just want to say about that, right? Um, this morning I read that how Chelsea might trigger some kind of trigger, bring back Tommy. Yeah, they should. What gonna happen to Roma? Oh, yeah, that's it. GG's end. GG's. Yeah, what gonna happen to Chelsea? Might, GG's end. Nah, they might actually be real good. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll be in the opposite good. sense of the word. Now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, if, if Chelsea triggers up they get a Tommy dog, then I think this league up game can get shake up a little bit actually though because mm-hmm. I think that Tommy is underrated as Doesn't well it? as I think Tommy is fantastic as well as I think Chelsea literally need just any competent striker and we might see a lot. And for what is with I think some of the best football was playing with Tommy Abraham. Right. Plus I. Would never discredit habits as I, I honestly think the man could be a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant water engineer because the kind of cooling that he could bring to the water for everybody. Because, like, from the bench, and he tore on our way, so you have the reach. So, when he started handing water bottles to this one and that one and that one, everybody on the on the sideline they get they get hydrated, and with hydration come motivation, and with motivation come excellence. Now, way and he's so tall to him, he had to even have the reach to. To give a little water to James while he's on the field and all that too. So I honestly think that Abraham coming in could be so good from like multiple aspects, you know. You get any best out of Abraham, you get any best out of Havertz. And they might actually form a partnership where sometimes maybe Abraham even asks for water and Havertz give him some. You know what I mean? It's like a serious hydration yep, engineer yep, type yep, of, yep, type yep, of I, rule. I, I hear it's good. Virgil, I miss you, good. bro. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can cut all this in. <laughs> oh, no, that's <laughs> definitely going. This is definitely going. Uh, lastly, would be Inter. Um, yeah. Waiting more Inter squad. They might lose Dumfries to Chelsea. But outside of that, I think he's got more or less set. I feel like, I feel like Dumfries is going to stay. Because I, I, I personally think that if, if that move had to happen, it would have happened. And then it have talks about Fofana and think now yeah. I'm not sure about, about Dumfries going there again. Um, Just because mm-hmm. talk kind of died down now. So, so with him staying at Inter, which is kind of what I predict now, um, and with Lukaku coming back, I think that's a a big a big deal, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Lukaku was the best last season, but um, he is a good player and he's a good striker and yeah. he understands Martinez already and yeah. he understands yeah. what it is to score in the league for this team under the same system. I mean, I think yeah. I think he's gonna be back to his best now. Yeah. So fair enough. They will get they will give um they will get AC some competition for sure. In Liga, we're gonna just talk about more. Mbappe, um, Mbappe stuff really. Mm, yes, please. Um, for his word, they did win 5-2 on the day. Yes. Neymar is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he and Messi really do look really good. We said this last week, but just to say it again, I really like Messi. You love Messi. Yes. There's a part of me that loves Messi too. But I genuinely think seeing Neymar back to his best has been something that really warms my heart a lot. Though. You mm-hmm. know, seeing him enjoying football again and seeing him really thrive and I gained out like your name has been really open about the fact that you know football actually makes him depressed and stuff because of all the pressure that falls on him being the golden boy of Brazil and going to PSG and stuff like that to see him actually happy and you feel again bro it it really is a sight to see something really nice to see but Mbappe 
that is more what everybody really want to hear about um well, some thoughts on that so yeah. long story short was that mbappe had a really poor game that should be said um poor by his standards he did score in the end but he missed a pen he missed a few good chances and some really bad decision making in the final third um and obviously started he said for himself being the top scorer the top of the league last year you always expect more yes. and when you even watch the fact that you know PSG were looking really really good even while he was out with a little injury you thought he'll just come back in and, and slot right back in and they would look like this fab trio that you know Neymar and Messi were once a part of yes um that being said he threw a tantrum when yeah. he wasn't receiving the ball um he literally walked off on an attack when he didn't receive the ball from Vettinia I believe it was um then he was upset with Neymar and actually pushed Messi all the way to go and talk to Neymar when Neymar went to take a penalty after he missed one and there's talks now that he actually wanted Messi and Neymar out the club um after the end of last season that he wanted both of them out the club and PSG refused to comply um they said that the tour that will be part of the project and he didn't like that he didn't like that as well he didn't like the fact that Zidane did not sign for PSG and he got Galtier despite the fact that Galtier has them playing really well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where to start? And you could go ahead. You just could run with it, really. I'll try to keep this one more serious. Please. Since I feel like this one have a chance of making it on TikTok. Mm. So, thing Neymar done messed up. You already see how I'm keeping it serious, right? Because I could have said something else. Alright, right, let me start fresh from now, right? Think Neymar really messed up and I'm um, taking that penalty. Because Neymar is someone that suffered from depression. Okay, he now get back happy, and Mbappe about to make him depressed again now, way. Because he take the penalty off Mbappe, Mbappe is going to sell him in January, right? So Neymar done. I wouldn't even be surprised if Neymar on the bench. I wouldn't even be surprised if Neymar taking up the the habit troll and handing people water and thing. Come come training on Monday. Um, you cannot disrespect Mbappe because he owned the club, ladies and gentlemen. This is the level that we reach in football now. Yeah. A player own part of the club. Yeah, and I you mean, can't disrespect him. This is what I was saying last season, man. You can't do people that. You cannot go and give people so much power in a club. And also, the man's like 23. He's still, still a child now, boy. You know what I mean? So, like, it is, it is make this weird power dynamic thing yeah. within the team. Where it's like, yeah. if I step on his toe in training... What am I gonna do push up, sir? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It it real weird, boy. I I, I really, really, really think PSG bounced their head by giving him That's so much. much. Power, yeah. Exactly. You could have given money, you know, and he would have still been an equal on the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because wage wage caps and thing is, is something that's that, that, that real normal in football, yeah. right? That real normal. Not everybody on the team does earn the same amount. Yeah. Okay. But this is the first time that we're seeing a player actually own a little chunks in the club. Yeah. And that means that he is on another level to the rest of the players. Yeah. No matter how, what angle they look at it, he is on another level to the players. He's also a very arrogant player. I think we've known that for a long time. Even though he's one of my favorite players, I'll say that right now. I mean, I'm bashing him right now, right? But he's an arrogant player. How are you going to give an arrogant man part ownership of a club, boy? That, that also don't make sense. So, so I think he knows that he's on another level to the rest of the players. I think the other players also know that he is on another level to them right now and um and things gonna get a little weird i think yeah because the um, truth is like no despite what you might think about how Neymar's career has gone he deserves respect 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and respect for Messi is undisputed. Yeah, right? also Regardless true. of you think he's a goat or not, he's, the respect is undisputed. Yeah. And I think Mbappe needs to put his tail between his legs and calm down a little bit. Because the truth is, there's very, very real, and I mean this when I say this, there's very real potential for them to win the UCL this year. I think there is. I think that when you look how good that he's gotten Messi and Neymar to be a good Messi and a good Neymar, bro, you can't cook. You can't literally yeah. cook. True. And if you could just calm down a little bit, relax a little bit, yeah. go and get in jail with these players, you can't go and win the UCL. You can finally do what you have been calling for, was mm. to bring European glory back to France. And all it yeah. takes for you to humble yourself a little bit. But I feel and like understand that at 23, you don't have all the answers to run a multi-million dollar club. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with Mbappe, he, he does just want to bring glory to France. I think... Sorry, that wrong. He don't want glory to just come to France. He want to bring it now, way. Correct. Yeah, yes. You know, and, yes. and and with with like Messi there, and Messi's cast on the biggest shadows in the world right now, right? Yeah, but you can't help. And, um, no, you can't. But yeah. but I'm not even surprised at all that he would have want Messi or the club. Yeah. Because it's the it's the Mbappe project now. You yeah, know, and yeah. anybody that that messes with that project is a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's Mbappe. real mob shit right now. Yeah. You know what's going on? Um, aside from that though. Real interesting in, in you saying that he might need to put his tail between his legs. I, I totally understand what you're saying. I agree with it. I mean, that's the political thing. I have to agree with it. But it might, it might even affect his game because I think I think the arrogance helps no, his no. game a lot. I think it's just scale it down. Like, yeah. I'm not saying don't be arrogant. I'm not saying don't put your foot in because you, you do, from a footballing sense, you do deserve to have a same amount of standing in your side as Neymar and Mbappe because you are just as good, yeah, he's as, good. As, yeah. as them. You know, you're in the same category as them. But to have this ego trip, like, dog, it is so not uncommon for a player to mess up and somebody take the next one. That yeah. is a, a really regular thing. Well, I have a comment on that too, though. Eh? What's that? I could see it both ways now, eh? because I could understand Mbappe feeling disrespected that because he messed up penalty, all of a sudden, Oh, you, you can't take the next one. You're probably not going to score that. And that's probably how he feeling. Like. He probably felt attacked. Yeah. Right? That, okay, because he make a mistake, all of a sudden, nah, but we don't trust you to take the next one. Um, you're going to score this. And they were winning already, yeah? It was 1-0 already. Yeah. Okay? So, I could understand him feeling attacked at the time. But um, that's not really how he should react. I think, yeah. that, I think we all know that. That you, you probably shouldn't react the way he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Neymar is a very good take off penalties as well. So why not give Neymar a chance, you know? So so I kind of see it from both ways, right? The reaction was uh, the reaction was bad, but I also understand the emotions that he went through. Yeah. I right? think that just it, it wouldn't have been so red into if he didn't do the other things he did like walking off on an actual like game he's a child now. Eh? Yeah, he is. You know what I mean? and, and like, in, like in literal football sense he yeah, is. He's a child. You know, and yeah, this is where PSG really messed up then. You yeah. Know? And look, I had no problem with them giving him a little bit of power. And he says that you really want to keep him that bad from the greatest club that ever exists? Fair enough. You might have to offer him a little bit of the cheese, right? And I didn't mind if you gave him like a 10% or a 20% advisory role and, and, and choice in, in singing things and whatever. Fair enough. But to go and give him the whole pie, bro, like that was, that was just messed up one-on-one, you know? I, I do hope they can click it together because PSG are exciting right now. I love nearly every single transfer move they make. I think it's all sensible. I have been calling since Poch days for them to play charity back. Yeah. They are doing it now and yeah. it has been fantastic, bro. The football has been good. Yeah. Like, Neymar and Messi have been exhilarating to watch, bro, at times. Yeah. And 
any f- neutral footballer I would love to see it. I would love to see him rapping on that same wavelength as them. I hope they can sort it out in the back room. Okay. That being said, guys, I think we'll leave it there. Right. Um, I don't think that there's any chance because I really want us to get into right now. Um, is there any real pending moves, Dog Rabio? Apparently, confirm on Instagram that he's actually going to Manchester United. So, Jesus. everybody just give a minute of silence to the Manchester United who think that um, he's an upgrade on Scotty McTominay. Um, and yeah, that's it, guys. Yeah. Thanks very much for coming, Pats. Really appreciate it as always. Of course. And yeah, catch you guys next time. See you soon. Take it easy. Later. <laughs>